Welcome to another edition of the KO Corner. This is Kirk from the KO Corner. This episode will be dedicated entirely to Canelo versus Triple G2. This will be a discussion of the analysis of the fight, and we're also going to go into the aftermath and the future for each fighter. Now, this episode will just be me. Unfortunately, we don't have any of the other KO Corner brothers with us, but Nonetheless, shoutouts to Abraham, shoutouts to Richie, shoutouts to the TC. Now, let's get right into it. So, leading into this rematch, the narrative of the fight was set by Gennady Golovkin's team, mainly from his head trainer, Abel Sanchez, right? The narrative was, with the first fight, Triple G won. Gennady Golovkin, and that the draw is controversial. The draw was awarded to the fighters mainly because of Canelo's name, basically his name recognition, right? His influence with Las Vegas. The narrative from Abel, Ch- from Abel Sanchez was Canelo, instead of standing toe-to-toe with Gennady Golovkin as a true Mexican, he moved, he ran. He ran the entire night. He didn't want to stand and fight. And they didn't give the fans what they wanted. The fans were disappointed because there wasn't a knockout or because Canelo decided to run, according to Abel Sanchez. So when you hear words like that, you don't want to get sucked in to the actual definition of what Abel Sanchez is saying. Because... When it comes to fighting, when it comes to boxing, you can't run. There's a ring. The ring is cut off. It's, you know, it's it's a squared circle, if you will. You cannot run. You cannot run, in in the ring. And let's just say theoretically, Canelo moved the entire night. If you're fighting him, shouldn't your job be to cut the ring off? So just dissecting that from Abel Sanchez with regarding the first fight between Golovkin and Alvarez is he should have instructed Gennady Golovkin to cut the ring off and use his wonderful jab to force Canelo to fight in the action-packed fight that they want. Mexican style, right? But just digressing and going into the fight, the actual fight itself, there were moments in time where Canelo actually laid against the ropes. And, and fought Golovkin. There were times where he actually took the fight to Golovkin and backed him up, pushed him back. And other times where he boxed, he moved around. Nothing wrong with that. That's not running, it's boxing. If you ask any person in the street, any casual person, and it's funny because there's many fans, many spectators of boxing that say, oh, that guy ran, this guy did this and that. If you ask them, so if you're fighting somebody, are you going to let that other guy you're fighting punch you? We let them punch you. You're going to stand there and let them just get a free shot at you. What are they going to say? No, of course not. Of course you don't want to let someone punch you. So in order to avoid that, you're going to use whatever technique, whatever tactic that you know to avoid the damage, right? To avoid the punch and to deliver one back. It's boxing. It's science. It's called the sweet science for a reason. It's not... You know, caveman, rock'em, sock'em, right? So when you're fighting at the highest level, which 
Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez clearly are, they're at the highest level, the highest level of athlete, the highest level of boxer, the highest level of competitor and fighter. You're going to see displays of skill, you know, each guy utilizing their skill sets to emerge victorious. It just so happens that according to the judges, with each guy implementing their specific skill sets across 12 rounds of action, they fought to a draw. The fight was that competitive. The fight was that close. There's a contingent out there that believes Gennady Golovkin won the fight due to his aggression, due to him landing his jab. There's a smaller contingent of people that believe Canelo Alvarez won due to his accuracy, his precision, his ring generalship, the way he was able to control the pace of the fight. Which I tend to fall into that group because I believe Canelo won the first fight seven rounds to five. However, if the score, if the fight was scored a draw, I'm not against that. I'm not mad at that. If the fight was scored 7-5 in favor of Golovkin, I'm not mad at that either. Because it was that close of a fight, and some of the rounds could be argued either way. But, nonetheless, Abel Sanchez was upset because Canelo didn't stand there and trade with his fighter, Golovkin. Which is what he wanted. Which is, you know, not surprising because with the style of fight that Golovkin has, his, his style is not a seek and destroy type style. I mean, it is, but he's not very good at cutting the ring off if he's facing an athletic fighter that can move. His seek and, style, his seek and destroy style works if you're a sitting target, if you have cement feet. If you, if you can't move effective laterally. So, that's what Abel Sanchez had an issue with. So... That's the narrative going into the second fight. He wanted Canelo to be a true Mexican, <laughs> quote-unquote, and to fight Mexican style, quote-unquote. And Mexican style is interesting to me um, because not all Mexicans fight a certain style. There are some who are famous and who have done great things and are legends of the sport that fight, quote-unquote, Mexican style. Some of those that come to mind are Julio Cesar Chavez, and I guess what they mean by that is fighters who are aggressive, they come to fight, they're ready to take a punch, they give a punch, they very good body punchers, they deliver hooks to the body, they have great stamina, they give fans action-packed fights or whatnot. But if you look across history, there's other great fighters of Mexican descent who do not fight Mexican-style boxing. Some of those that come to mind are... Salvador Sanchez. Yes, he was an action-packed fighter, but he was a great counterpuncher. He fought in such a tremendous style. It's really hard to really categorize a style and just say that it's Mexican style. There's Ricardo Lopez, who's one of the greatest counterpunchers of all time. One of the most technically sound fighters you will ever see across any era of boxing. And there's his disciple, who was trained by the same trainer, Nacho Berstein, Juan Manuel Marquez, one of the greatest counterpunchers as well, another technically amazing fighter, 
a great combination puncher, a great fighter who went to the body. You can see him thinking every single time he was in the ring. He would outthink his opponents, out out counter his opponents or whatnot. He's not a Mexican style fighter. So I mean there's there's various fight I mean when you hear Abel Sanchez say things like that, it's cultural appropriation at its finest and it's generalization and stereotypes, which is stupid. But just for the theme of the fight for the tone that they wanted to set Abel Sanchez wanted Mexican style fighting that's what he wanted from Canelo Alvarez and oddly enough that's what he got in the rematch that's what Abel Sanchez wanted the tone was set, as I mentioned. Mexican-style fighting. That is the theme. That was the theme for the fight. So we saw, leading up to the fight, all the banter and trash talk. Some of it stemming from the failed drug test. Because, if you remember, the fight was supposed to take place Cinco de Mayo weekend. But there was the failed computerol, or excuse me, the failed drug testing due to the levels of computerol and Canelo's system. Uh, two failed tests. Subsequently, he ended up going to a hearing with the Nevada Athletic State Commission. He was suspended for six months. He submitted additional samples, hair samples, and then leading up to this fight that was rescheduled for Mexican Independence Weekend. He was tested randomly, I believe, anywhere from, they're saying, 12 to 14 times, uh, I heard, from Abel's camp. And uh, Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya of Golden Boy Promotions, I believe it said Canelo was tested over 20 times. So, um, how many times? We're uncertain, but he was tested leading up to this fight. And some of the anger coming from Golovkin's camp that was hurled at Alvarez's camp was stemming from that and vice versa with from Alvarez's side uh, they felt like Team Golovkin was trying to minimize what he had accomplished as a fighter or whatnot and was trying to insinuate that he's a cheater and cheated his entire career and is a recipient and a, the beneficiary of always having things in his favor whether it's performance enhancing drugs or whether it's favor from the judges or whatever the case may be and this second fight this rematch was going to settle who's the true fighter who's the better of the fighters it was supposed to wrong or to right all the wrongs that is Canelo Alvarez right so the tone is set the anger is there you can see at the weigh-ins after they weighed in and they both made weight, how when they had the stare down, Canelo ran up and stood up to Golovkin and got in his face, pretty much. And Golovkin kept a cool face. He did what he was supposed to do. He, he stayed calm, cool, collected. Abel tried to break it up. The thing is, when Canelo did that, he set the tone right then and there himself. He actually let Golovkin know that he's going to be in his grill all night. He let him know that this wasn't just talk, saying that he was going to bring the fight to him Mexican style. He was going to be in his grill, his face the entire night. 
And many times during up, during leading up to a fight, excuse me, uh, fighters will say one thing, but when it, when it comes time to fighting, we don't actually see what the fighters were saying. You know, it's just talk to build the fight up. And that happens with many fights, right? But um, with this particular fight, Canelo delivered on his promise. When the fight actually happened, Canelo started the fight and he was walking down Golovkin. Now, I don't have an exact number, an exact total. I did not keep tally of the time of possession, so to speak, how I would phrase it. But I'd say a good solid anywhere from eight to nine and maybe even ten rounds. Canelo Alvarez was the aggressor and was the one pushing back the bigger fighter, walking Golovkin down, bringing the fight to him Mexican style. And what was very interesting was not to say Golovkin was running, but he was fighting off his back foot for most of that fight. He was fighting off his back foot. He was the boxer. He became the boxer. So we went from a seek and destroy fighter, a fighter who knocks guys out, a fighter who has the mission of kill, 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 right? A fighter who has a trainer that was asking for the opponent to come straight to him, to fight him, mano y mano, don't run, mano y mano, Mexican style. And here he does it. He gets his wish. He gets what he asked for, right? And he does this, yet, for some reason, he gets what he asked for, but he does not comply. He does not return the favor. Why is that? That was the question. Why is that? How do you let... You spend your entire... You, you spend your entire professional career, if you're Gennady Golovkin, as a middleweight. Term pro, believe 2004... Maybe 2006, one of those years. You've been champion since 2010. You fought much of your amateur career at middleweight. And your entire professional career at middleweight. And you're going to let a guy who was smaller in stature as far as inches go. He's shorter. And he is a guy who, he's 28 now, but when he turned professional at age 15, I believe, 15 or 16... He started down at 140, junior welterweight. He's now at 160 for this fight. You mean to tell me you're going to let him walk you down? He walks you down. He's the aggressor. He's pushing you back. And you're you're um, this big, almighty, killing super machine, right? You're supposed to be the most tremendous, most feared puncher in the game today. You're supposed to be more powerful than legendary middleweights Marvin Hagler and Carlos Monzon. You're supposed to strike fear in the hearts of all and every opponent. You're boxing's boogeyman. And you can't stop the smaller fighter from walking you down. So that, that, that was amazing to me. That was really amazing. That really, that really changed <laughs> my outlook of Golovkin. Not to minimize his greatness or minimize whatever skills that he has because he is a skilled fighter and I don't want to say he's a bad fighter. He's obviously a talented fighter for to be champion for so long and to accomplish what he's accomplished. But my thing is 
because mass media, mass media outlets like ESPN and HBO, guys like Jim Lampley and Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith and all these other guys across various outlets want to label a fighter a certain title and distinction. But when it comes time to the actual fight, when he's facing real opposition, we don't see him live up to that moniker. And that's what happened with Lufkin. Now, this fight was a very entertaining fight. It was one of the better fights of the year, especially given the profile of the fight. Pay-per-view, a hyped match, one of the biggest hyped matches of the year. It was a great fight. Back and forth action we saw. We saw guys, you know, trading shots. Granted, there was high skill. There was slipping punches and catching punches from both guys. But, I mean, it was pretty much back and forth. It, it, was, it was a really good fight. And just watching the fight, we can, say, we can see so much. It was interesting because just watching the fight... The look on Golovkin's face. This is the first time we see him get pressured and walked down by somebody. And you can tell he's not used to it. He wasn't accustomed to it. You can see the look on his face. You can see him gasping for air in between rounds. Tired. Exhausted. I don't want to say due to old age. He's 36, but he's a relatively young 36 because his body hasn't really accumulated a lot of damage. From wars or anything throughout the course of his professional career some of that is due to his skills and how he knocks fighters out and how he handles opposition some of it is also due to the level of opposition that he's encountered thus far now fighting in that rematch against Canelo as I mentioned because that pressure was put on him that mental and physical pressure we saw him get tired he was gasping for air between rounds you can see his body language. When he was catching those body shots and getting pressured, he looked very uncomfortable. He didn't look comfortable fighting off the back foot. He looked really awkward. Now he was st- still able to use his jab effectively. He was shooting that jab, popping it really well. Great punch that he has. But we didn't see too many hooks. We didn't see too many other variation of punches. We, we didn't see the, the vaulted right hand from Golovkin. And I think with him, we saw it later in the fight as it went on to rounds 9, 10, 11 or whatnot. And with Golovkin, I've always described him as a mid-range fighter. Meaning, he's not really good on the inside. He needs enough space to operate where he can get extension on his right hand or left hand. Where he can get extension to generate power. He's not very good at the long range because even though he does a good job of measuring certain distances against certain fighters if you're very fast and athletic he he has a hard time hitting you so he he wants to establish the mid-range he wants to use his jab as a as a range finder really to kind of get a sense of where your location is going to be and and he is cerebral Golovkin he picks up on things he picks up on tendencies he can't make adjustments to that extent but when you're fighting the highest level and highest caliber of fighter, there's more adjustments you got to make because that high level opposition can make adjustments to your adjustments. And we saw that when he fought Canelo Alvarez. 
we saw that when Golovkin fought Daniel Jacobs. So this was another reflection of that. He had difficulty landing that right hand early in the fight, even mid, mid midway through the fight, because he needs a certain measure of distance to get that right hand off. And with Canelo, he smothered his distance and he was walking him down and had him uncomfortable. As I mentioned, we saw that with his body language. But as for the fight itself, as I mentioned, it was a great fight. It's, it was a fight where I think you can you can make arguments for either guy. I tend to lead towards Canelo again just because he did control the rage. He controlled the pace with how it was fought. And I saw that he landed more effective body shots and more effective shots up top. More clean punches. That's not to say Golovkin didn't land his fair share of punches as well, but... Aside from the jab, his effective punches, such as like an uppercut or a hook or anything like that, were far and few in between. And Canelo did a, a good job, in my eyes, of controlling the fight. Now, we wouldn't be able to tell that just by listening to the fight if you ordered HBO pay-per-view because commentary from Jim Lampley was horrible, as usual, and the scoring from Harold Letterman, HBO's network judge was horrible as usual because it wasn't indicative of the actual fight itself. I think that I think he had it like 9 rounds to 3 in favor of Golovkin or something ridiculous. I mean, even when listening to Harold Letterman give his description of the score, like why he has a score or why he has it, he couldn't even give you analysis or a breakdown for his actual score. He said, oh, I don't know. Jim! <laughs> you know, like, dude doesn't even know what he's talking about. And it's like, the rule of thumb when, when looking at a Harold Letterman scorecard is to score the opposite of what he scored. Because he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I know that that may, say, that may sound blasphemous being as he used to actually be a judge. I don't know how. But, um, yeah. So if you're listening to the HBO telecast, you know, you sometimes it's hard to, to tell what you're watching because what they're saying is like the opposite of what's going on in the actual ring. You're better off listening or watching the fight on mute or watching it through a different broadcast, like Sky Sports or something like that. <laughs> Now, even with Sky Sports, I'm hearing, I think some of them had the fight for Golovkin in that, and that's okay. Um, you know, they're entitled to their opinion. It's not even about that. It's just, I think with that, you're more likely to hear an unbiased opinion from them. But, you know, regardless, it was a good fight, a close fight. And I believe the fans got their money's worth. And... That's all we can really ask for, right? But as far as breaking down the fight itself, it exposed many flaws in Golovkin. Now, it's not to say he's not a bad fighter, but there's some things that were definitely exposed. 